0: It's a part to play. Everybody has a gift to stir up. What would the church look like, this church, any church, the worldwide church, if every person would stir up their gift and function and walk in it? Do you understand? We want to blame other things all the time for stuff. But stop and pause and consider this. What would things look like if you were just functioning fully and what God has called you to do and be? There's risk involved. There's rejection that's guaranteed, maybe even persecution. It's not that things will go well, but when you go to bed at night, you can lay down and go, It is finished. I did today what I was supposed to do. That would be probably, you'd probably just knock right off. You wouldn't have any, take any pills or anything. If you come to the end of your day and have this sense, I followed the spirit today. I did what he asked me to to do today. I can go to sleep tomorrow. I'll wake up and begin anew to function in my gift, to function in my calling. And uh, I felt uh, today to <clears throat> maybe get begin something that will s- s- go on for a while, uh, to come back to a focus and talking about, just to, for the sake of this, to stir up spiritual gifts and to function, to be more sensitive to the Spirit, because that's really what we're all about that is that is one of the uh big things the journey i know the journey that i've walked to come to this place and time was not to just survive but was to believe and have access to all the things that the spirit is doing and all the things the spirit would say and to not limit God for who he is and not limit God for who he is in me and not limit the Holy Spirit for who he is in me. And um, so I want to talk about hearing the voice of God, hearing and speaking. Hearing what God's saying and speaking what you hear him say or doing what you feel, what you hear him saying to do. That is the essence of the prophetic. That's like the raw core definition of what it means to be prophetic, to be able to hear from God, and to respond to that. And there's a declaration. We're going to look at some scriptures that are really cool. Um, And that hearing from God is not just for people that we identify as having a prophetic gift. There is that. There are many uh, elements, and there's there's a whole sphere of the prophetic. Thank you, Kathy. There's a whole sphere of of the gifts of the Spirit. There's a lot there, a lot to learn. It goes on and on. All of that is great and good. But if that teaching causes you to sit back and feel like, oh, it's just their job, it's their gift to do this, and it's their gift to do that, I love this concept, and, and the, the other streams that I follow and love, they, they also believe this, that we can all hear from God. If you get a prophetic word, do you understand that after that, you get a word from somebody, you have to hear from God for yourself about what to do with that. Do you understand that? You must discern it, and in every, every issue and avenue of life, you still have to hear God. And you can hear God. That's the promise. That is what we're supposed to do. Jesus came and died, and the Holy Spirit came so that we could hear. It's, it's a big deal. And we believe that, and if I walk through the group and ask you, if I interviewed all of you, do you think we should hear from God? I believe almost all of you go, yeah, 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 we should. But then how about this follow-up question, are you hearing from God? (laughs) What's the last thing you heard from Him? And let's talk about that problem that you just came to me with, have you asked the Lord and sat down and waited on him to hear from him what that's about and what's really going on there. Everything you go through, you've got to hear. You've got to discern. You can be certain that you're right about something, but before you go too far with that, stop, pause, find a place where you can hear the Lord and ask him the tough question, Lord, there's something in this that I'm supposed to see? Because I'm pretty sure I'm 100% right, but what if I'm not? <laughs> yeah? And it's amazing to hear what he will say. I can't, I'm not going to go into details about this, but I'm telling you, you've got to humble yourself to hear and then to walk out what you hear. I had to do something, and I had to to fix a problem that I discovered in my grandson that's four and a half years old. Something that happened probably two years ago. And a series of events, and here's what's cool, is the Lord prepared me for this. This happened, that happened. I saw this, I heard this, like I was seeing things. And all of a sudden, out of the clear blue... Something came up, his memory, who knew they could remember that stuff. He starts coming, kind of coming at me and retelling a story, something that hurt him. And he, he, you know, I discover this, even though I think I'm being a good grandpa and I'm dealing with things and I should correct this and I should correct that. Anytime I hurt his feelings, he's not bashful about letting me know that. He doesn't have a problem with coming and just confronting me about it. <clears throat> he may use different language. One time I offended him because I told him to take his wooden soldiers and big nutcracker decorations. The Christian, you know, he was pounding them on the new table. And he was here and there, and I was saying, Jace, Jace, don't, don't. finally, you know that point you get to where you kind of stomp your foot and go, I've had it, do you know. I'm going to change this. I'm going to physically move you and the soldiers into the playroom where there's a table that I built that you can pound on. And I did that, totally justified, of course. And I sat back on the couch with Mackenzie. I was watching him by myself for a little bit. A little bit later, it wasn't too long, all of a sudden he marches out. He goes, stands in front of the other sofa. He faces me off. I mean, this was, I'm not making this up. He faced me off holding his soldier soldier, and told me that I needed to apologize to this toy soldier (laughs) because I hurt his feelings. Now, part of me was still in my defensive mode, and I hadn't yelled or screamed or anything, but I just was firm enough, and it it crushed something in him. You know, like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, crazy. But I hurt his feelings. He's like, but you didn't listen to me ten times say don't do that, you know? What happened to all that, you know? But it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. I hear, and he's, he's telling me, you need to apologize to this soldier. And I'm like, Jace, I, was, I, I start, you know, explaining why I told him to go da-da-da-da, but it didn't really matter because that doesn't fix a broken heart. And I finally have to apologize to the soldier. And then he's okay, and he goes his way. He walked away, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, I had another one of those situations pop up out of the clear blue where I had I had disciplined him, stepped in, like, you know, hey, this has to happen, da, da, da. dealing with something that was, yeah, it was not good, you know. And um, he brings this up, only he brings up the part where I hurt him, and I was a little bit excessive in my, again, no abuse or anything like that, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't take much sometimes to crush them, and out it came. I'm I'm like, my mouth hangs open, like, and I, you know, I start to explain to him why that whole event happened, and I'm thinking, my gosh, this is like two years ago. How do you even remember this? And I realized the more he talked and he's coming at me with this, not mad, like just retelling the story that I'm like, I'm thinking that's long ago, water under the bridge and all that stuff, you know. And because of these things the Lord prepared me for, I went, oh, my gosh. It doesn't matter how right I think I was. I did something that hurt him. And in in, through his eyes, it was excessive like and he didn't remember what he did wrong he just remember how i heard him in this and i found myself like after it was all over and again you have to be able to hear from the lord like i'm like what the heck was that like it it affected me and i realized what i have to do i have to hum- i have to go do something i have to go get something for him i know what i'm supposed to do i know and i have to do that and I have to apologize to him for hurting his feelings. And so I, it was qu- quite humbling. It's like, oh, my gosh. But it was I knew the spirit was on it. Like, i got to do this. And so I did that, and I get him alone, and we talk, and I'll go, here, this is for this because of something that I did that hurt your feelings. And, and he started talking about it a little, again, and, you know, I just stayed in that. Didn't matter about the right or wrong of it. Just mattered about ministering to it. I said, here, come and give me a hug. So he gives me one of those kind of reserved hugs. But he does hug me, comes up, hugs me, kiss him, I love him, you know, and da-da-da. And then he, he says just a little bit more about it, then it's done. Let's go. It's over. You have to be able to hear. You have to hear. And if you can't hear, then you won't know how what the Spirit is saying about something that you think is black and white. It's black and white to me. Why shouldn't you do this? Why shouldn't you respond? Why shouldn't you come, go, whatever it is? And uh, I find often there's a whole other version of this in the Spirit, of anything that I've gone through or done, right? Yeah? Like, Oh. Again, what would the world look like if we all did that with our stuff? Because these wounds, this hurting people, or it can be a whole array of things that we do, doesn't go away. The person will forget all the circumstances that have surrounded it, and they'll remember what crushed them. That's what they'll remember. And that woundedness, depending on how big it is, it can really affect their lives. It can affect, like, we're all affected by things, aren't we? And so here's the Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit going, I, I, I want to, and, and it takes humility. It takes, like, taking, being willing to take a second look and realize, oh, that thing I thought was so important. That's not what's important. Here's what's important. We've got to hear the Lord. We've got to hear what the Spirit is saying. In John 10, 1027, Jesus makes this, this will be brand new for you. My own sheep will hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me because they know my voice, right? Okay, Sunday school stuff. My sheep hear my voice. So this verse, do you understand? this That's a precedent. That if you're a believer, you're following Jesus, he would not expect you to do something if you had no ears to hear what he's saying, Right? He would not do that to us. He does not do that to us. If he says, declares this, my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice, they follow me because they hear my voice, the the voice of another they do not hearken unto, that means we hear his voice, we hear, hear other voices, but we are able now to discern his voice from other voices. Now, that may take some exercise on your part. Number one, how does the Lord often speak, mostly speak to you? Thunder? Lightning? Signs in the heavens? I mean, sometimes all of those can be. Mostly it's what? It's this still, small voice, this quiet voice that speaks. And guess what you can't hear? Now wait till you start to get. My age, then you really can't hear things, especially if there's noise and chaos. Then you're like, what, What'd you say? I can hear the noise over there, but I can't hear what you're saying, you know? If there's a lot of chaos in your life and noise in your life, beware you may miss the voice of the Lord. And in the end, you're the one responsible to hear. You know, well, he's just going to have to talk louder. How about you get a little more quiet? How about you find a place. How about if you build a place? Because we build places all the time, don't we? We build kitchens so we can cook our food and eat. We build living rooms so we can sit down and watch television. We build boot rooms, doorways, basements. You know, we build things. We create places for special things. Yeah, we can spend a lot of money doing those things. Build a place where you can hear the voice of the Lord. And almost all the prophetic people and people in ministry that are fruitful, I'm not going to use the word successful, but they're fruitful. They find you'll find in the rest of the story, not necessarily the upfront story of their life, but the rest of the story of their life, that they have a place where they go. Kim Clement had a whole garden where they really had built that he would go and wait on. I mean, that's where he met Jesus at. I'm like, I can see that, yeah. I love my front yard when the weather's a little nicer. It's a sanctuary. It, it feels that I'll sit there. If I just get to sit on the bench for just a few moments, there's this quiet, there's a place there, like there's something there. And I, I can meditate and I can, I can pause. And I can, I can talk to him. And then I can listen. It's expected for you to be able to hear the voice of the Lord to hear what he's saying to you. Not that you never need anybody else to hear what the Lord's saying. Just pick up your part of this and then let the body be the body, huh? I mean, I, 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 there are other voices. There are other ways the Lord speaks to me, brings correction, brings direction, brings comfort, brings all whatever, because we're a body. But initially, I, I must have this. I must know this. My sheep hear my voice, The voice of another, they won't follow out of this uh, chapter 10. Turn with me to John 20. I come across this. I love this, finding scriptures that have been there my whole life. And all of a sudden, hey, where did I come from? (laughs) It must be an insert, you know. And in John 20... I'm going to read uh, through verses 19 through 23. So I'll start up here in verse 19. That evening, and um, this is after Jesus' resurrection, which is very important. That evening, the disciples gathered in verse 19 together, and because they were afraid of the reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to, to the place where they met. In other words, um... We don't want to advertise we're gathering together here. After all, they just got done killing Jesus for, you know, what we believe and do. And so, lock the doors, park your car, your donkey somewhere else so they don't know we're here. You know that thing. (laughs) But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, peace to you. (laughs) You Scared the bejeebers out of me, Jesus. Okay. And then he showed them the wounds of his hands Most of them hadn't seen him resurrected yet at this moment. They were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Verse 21, Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, and he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Verse 22, here's here's the, you know, where the angels start singing, then Taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I kind of missed that verse, like, and maybe it's context. Maybe it was, you know, like seeing it for the first time through different eyes. This was very significant because though we think about this and I've heard people teach on it, I'm like, God, oh, that's different. I'm not sure, but yeah, I guess so, you know. Until Jesus was resurrected, you couldn't be born again. There wasn't that thing. The disciples were followers of Jesus, but they also needed this as well. This was a different thing, and he speaks to them and he takes, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. This is when the Spirit fills them, his presence fills them. This is about his presence coming. Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't, this is in the Passion Translation, but it should bear out in other translations. If you don't proclaim or declare, say, say this, listen. If you don't proclaim the forgiveness of your sins, of their sins, if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. So we're all about, Confronting people in their sin, right? Bad behaviors, da-da-da, we'll get on a huff about stuff, and we're going to fix things and fix people, et cetera, et cetera. But back at you, if you're going to speak that and speak about Jesus and speak about what he accomplished, there's also a role in your life to, to proclaim the forgiveness of their sins. And if you don't, they'll remain guilty, do you know how guilty people act? They don't act very good. They're like my four-year-old, five-year-old grandson. Four-and-a-half-year-old. He doesn't act well when something's going on inside of him. And so we have discussions like learning how to... I mean, I'm learning all kinds of stuff from him, from my grandchildren. And... Uh, Learning, like, what's behind the bad behavior? What's really behind this? And funny, I wouldn't have believed this was the case. We grew up with, uh, what was the focus on the family? What was his name? Dobson. Dobson, yes. Yes, and it was about discipline. A lot of good teaching in there. But I found when I get strong, he gets stronger in the bad behavior like it's kind of been a paradox I'm like I think I'm doing the right thing really kind of getting into him he's still littler than I am so I pick him up you know yes you're gonna get in the car seat boom you know won't be long I won't be able to do that anymore The Holy Spirit deals with us in a way where he goes to the root and the heart. Where, where's the bad behavior coming from? And you find if you push on people when they're in their bad behaviors, how's that turn out? Has anybody had success when you push on friends or family about their bad behavior? Has anybody seen result Other than if you manipulate, like if you don't straighten up, I'm going to kill myself. I mean that's like bizarre but that kind of stuff gets said manipulation we manipulate people into better behavior especially our adult children you know crazy what we will pull out of the old you know like oh you're freaking me out the way you're living the way you're doing what are you doing your decisions you're making you know it's like we get dramatic and throw ourselves on the floor and do you know we do all kinds of stuff figuratively but we do It's crazy how we're like, we get in this thing, it's a righteous indignation, and this is how, whereas if we can find this other approach, because the Holy Spirit doesn't function that way. If he functions that way, then that's a whole other story. He can. (laughs) But to find the secrets, the Holy Spirit's sensitive about, it's like, what's really going on with you? You're acting out something. What's, What's really going on? And it's amazing if you can get to that thing and speak to that issue, that brokenness, then it could be anything. But again, you have to be able to hear from the Lord. He's the one that fixes all this and brings healing and brings redemption. And so you look and you, you pray. And I encourage all of you young families. I mean, you, you're just getting started. It's like, oh, my child's five years old now. He's, gonna, he's all past this. Ha! The real challenging times come when they hit 21 and there's, you're still interacting in their lives, you know. Your job's not done. There is no, nothing here in the Bible that says, okay, they get to 18, you're done. Forget it. I don't know who come up with that idea. What is adulthood anyways? How about this? When we start acting like adults, that's what adulthood is. What's maturity when you act mature? has nothing to do with your chronological age. I've met 30- and 40-year-olds that are like as childish as my grandchildren. Like, oh, wow, oh, oh my gosh. This all comes from hearing, perceiving. And here's Jesus breathing on his disciples to receive his spirit so they'll be filled with him. This was, wow, I think this is a really significant. Then in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit coming, this time with power, to empower them in gifts. But first, we have to have this filling of the presence of Jesus. That's This is normal. This is what Jesus intended. He breathes on them because I want you guys not just to be trying to act well, not just trying to walk on my steps. I want the Spirit that's in me to be in you so you Feel that conviction that you are following something that's within you, not outside of you. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And the Spirit whispers to you, and you have to get still enough and humble yourself, because if you're in that high horse mode... I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to hear anything. You're just going to hear yourself. You know if you stick your fingers in your in your ears, you can hear yourself really well? <laughs> that was supposed to be funny, but it's true. Do you realize a lot of that ranting, maybe to your friends or to yourself or justifying, you're, you're standing there with your fingers in your ears just telling yourself what's all right, you know? And you can't hear anything else. This is a... This is a call to humility. It's a call to really relying on the Spirit and to come down. And often we're fighting for position. We're fighting for respect. We're fighting for all kinds of things. Can you stop for a moment and think about what's the real fight about going on inside of you? Are you competing for stuff in your life? I mean, it shows up everywhere. It shows up in the household. Shows up in the marriage big time, shows up at work, shows up in the community that you're a part of, shows up at church, woo! And all of a sudden you're full of feelings and responding, et cetera. And and it's because you're you're reacting to things and you're trying to grasp, and you're acting like orphans instead of acting like sons and daughters because a father has a communication fathers and mothers, they have a communication with their children. And if you'll just allow the privacy of that relationship to affect you, I, I, watch, I love watching our young parents too, and they'll have this language they speak to their children, they have this, they'll, and they can be they don't have to scream and shout. I've watched some cool operators especially the women, you know, they like they can say two words and the fear of God comes in their kids. Like, whoa whoa, 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 I don't know what that was. But there's, you know, there's an understanding there. This comes with this decision to stop trying to achieve and trying to look and, and coming to this real, like, refresh your walk with Jesus. And yes, you have one. Yes, you can have one. Stop. Slow down enough. Get some quietness so you can hear, so that you can perceive what the Spirit's saying. I just love this. So, there's this hear the voice of the Lord and then proclaim. That's prophecy. Hear what the Spirit's saying and then the declaration, the proclaiming. It's very serious in this passage. People don't feel free from their guilt, their sin, if you don't proclaim their forgiveness. Oh, geez, that's a whole nother thing. I've heard some good teachers on that subject, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Do you proclaim people's forgiveness, especially some people that have behaved badly, broken the rules, hurt other people? We all have our limits. I found this out in the world, watching through your life, you just see the world reacting to people that are, have sinned and, and broken the rules. Oh, my gosh. They are not, they're not very forgiving at all. They get on us for our, you know, being Christians and what we believe. But, oh, my. When it comes, they will like, oh, no. Nope. Once that person did that, I'm, you know, nope. No hope. I mean, yeah, there's nothing. I'm like, wow. It's a big deal. I want to practice forgiveness. I want to make sure I'm able to forgive people, someone, for anything. It's not okay to have my, I'll forgive you for this, but I won't forgive you for that. How long do these offenses go on in our lives? Family, I mean, you just, everywhere. Families are broken and torn apart. Why? Because an offense came... And no one in it, and yeah, I'm talking to you, believers, Christians, no one was able to hear the voice of the Lord to find a a peace, a way to get to make peace. Figure out an offering. Figure out a gift. That's why I told you this silly story at the beginning. I had to humble myself. I realized I had to do something. I had to go buy a gift that was significant that had to do with the situation with him. With my grandson and that was my door I that was my act and then I was able to say I'm sorry for how I dealt with that and what I did not justify it anymore just I'm sorry I know that hurt you and he could talk freely which is a great sign and you got to kind of hold your peace because they may get a couple more jabs in at you about what you did it could happen It does it does happen And just stand there, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you were da-da-da. It's like, I'm sorry. But, you know, I have walked this out. I'm not great at it, but I've done it. At different times, I've done this. Difficult situations sometimes. But this is what will bring peace. This will bring the respect you're looking for. This will bring the freedom that you're looking for. This will bring the changed behavior in that person that you're looking for, that you're hoping for, praying for. I want to read, I found this new book. Phyllis said, Hey, you got to listen to Sid Roth, this guy named, I can't say his name, Tomi Ero Yami, Yami Yami Yami, I don't know. He's from Nigeria, so. And, uh, He was a young man pursuing the Nigerian dream. You get high test scores, get accepted to the right college, you can become a doctor, and da-da-da, and they will give their lives to take those steps to become successful, to become a a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever. And it's a matter of life and death. Many Asian people are the same way. Americans, yeah, we have some issues maybe, huh? But they'll they'll focus on this. I don't know that it's that they're smarter. I just, it's, it's, a, it's a mentality that you use every opportunity in your life to get to this next goal. Because it's a matter of life and death. You either do this, you're going to live in poverty. And um, his parents, he's a twin. <laughs> this is a good story. You'll like this. This is almost as good as the Imagine Heaven stuff. And... Um, I heard this on Sid Roth, the story, and I'm like, i got to get that book, and i am got to get these teachings. So I've been very blessed um, to read this. Let me find my place here. This is what the Spirit does if it gets a place in your life. This is what the Spirit wants to do. Not a, he's not a, uh, a respecter of persons. <clears throat> okay. This chapter is called Before I Knew You, The Identical Dream of the Identical Twins. The Lord called me to his ministry when I was just a 15-year-old boy. My personal first defining moment happened one fateful night when my identical twin brother and I, with an identical brain, got an identical exam result. We both we had both failed an exam that would determine the quality of school we could attend in the United Kingdom, a country that my parents fought tooth and nail to get into. This exam would not only determine our intellectual future, but for my parents, it embodied the long offset hope that their efforts to emigrate to, from Nigeria to the UK was not in vain. Our failure not only reflected poorly on us, but it embarrassed our parents for whom success then was paramount and failure was a stain on the successful family name. The failure we felt that day converted into a suicide pact that we individually and unbeknownst to the other had made. This is serious stuff. Not with each other as twins, but with God. In the backyard of our family home, we prayed an identical prayer that would affect the rest of our lives forever. In our desperation, we individually yet identically cried to the heavens, God, if you're real, show yourself to me tonight, or I will kill myself. They both prayed that prayer. That same night, we individually yet identically prepared ourselves mentally for the next day where we would end our lives and pondered quietly on how to painlessly fulfill our mission. A meditation neither of us discussed with each other. I had managed to cry myself to sleep and that's when the dream started. In my dream, I crawled through a tiny hole in my house. It was a miracle that I got through considering my body mass at the time was quite large. I came out the other side relieved, but I was no longer in my home. I was standing at the back of a crowd of people all chanting loudly. The crowd was so large that it was literally a sea of people. I was immediately transported onto the stage where I, the 15-year-old me, saw myself. The vision of myself was a little bit older, taller, and skinnier. I was talking loudly to the crowd with gusto and bravado. Large shafts of brilliant light would pour out upon the people as I spoke and the atmosphere was filled with joy. I began to listen in on the chants of the people, and the more I listened, the more coherent their outcry became. Jesus, 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 they chanted. Angrily, I said within myself, the 15-year-old me, can they not see it is not Jesus on that stage but Tommy? Out of the corner of my eye came a brilliant being of pure white light with a figure I could not make out. Sounds like our near-death experience people, huh? I just knew it was the Lord, yet I have no idea how I knew that. His presence was pure light. Here we go again. Light that penetrates skin, bones, and goes right through to the soul of a man. Out of the brilliance of the light, a beautiful voice spoke, My son, you ask me, and this is what I have called you to. I woke up from the dream. My brother woke up. I sat up. My brother sat up. At the same time, we said, isn't this bizarre? I mean, I had a dream. You had a dream. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. Ha, ha, ha. I had a dream. You had a dream. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. Ha, ha, ha. My brother explained that he crawled through a tiny hole in our house Only to see a large crowd. He was transported onto a stage where he saw himself only older. The older version of himself was speaking with great boldness and shafts of light were falling on the people. He then proceeded to explain how angry he was at them chanting, Jesus, Jesus. While he explained, my eyes and mouth were wide open. He proceeded to talk about the being of white light that said, my son, you ask me and this is what I have called you to. From that day, faithful that from that fateful day, we decided to serve the Lord. And from one prophetically identical dream, we decided to give our whole lives to Jesus Christ. It was not an altar call, not a theology school, but a revelation in a dream from Jesus to two young boys that changed our lives forever. And so that was their beginning. These two just even without training, were so incredibly prophetic. They have spoken and gone on to speak to leaders of nations. Not because they were promoted by anything, but because of what the, what the Lord did. Let me read you an example of somewhere he went. I was invited to the United Nations in 2017. It's a big deal. I've not gotten that invitation. Okay. To prophesy over national leaders and world influencers. I met a man. Hang on, Jesus is calling. Can you hear that back there, Brady? Phyllis's phone going on. Yeah, he can hear it. <laughs> sure. Sure. was invited to the United Nations in 2017 to prophesy over national leaders and world influencers I met a man and a woman who allowed me to minister prophetically over them the Lord showed me that they were diplomats between two very violently opposing sides and that they could decide whether these two nations go to peace or war it turned out that they were on the diplomacy team between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Who would have ever believed that this was going on between everything we watched the president do to the point where he walks to that, what was that called between those two, between North and South Korea goes into there? Pardon? Yeah, the embassy, yeah. I mean, the whole world went Walks across, shakes his hand. Peace. There were prophetic voices instrumental in that. The the rest of the story, the unknown. We have since become friends, how? Because revelation brings you to a level of relationship with people that would take others years to build. You are assumed trustworthy because you have knowledge of their most intimate bedroom secrets. What does Proverbs say? Your gift will make room for you, will make a place for you. If you will nurture, stir up, develop your, your gifts, your gifting, whatever it is, just realize, stir that up. If you don't know how, figure it out. Do you need to listen to worship music? Do you need to, like, just figure it out. Make a place because it's worth everything. Do you understand how many mistakes We would be saved from if we practiced in a bigger way. We all can improve in this area to commit our way to the Lord. I encourage you to take communion every day. I just heard Steve Schultz saying uh, this week on one of his broadcasts, telling his story, just referring, you know, interacting with the person he's interviewing. He's like, things started going bad in the ministry, and one of my staff said, Steve, you've been taking communion every day? He went, no, I've been busy. They're like, "Well, I'd get back to it." And he said, he did, and immediately things started going better. How often are our lives disrupted and we're ranting about it, and we're upset with people, and we're upset with it, don't we? We're calling people, and we're texting people, and we've got this big issue going on. Just calm the heck down and get before the Lord and wait on Him and let him say, like, Lord, am I doing something?" It's like, how could that be? I know it couldn't be me, but, you know, it's them. It's this. It's that. To have him say, well, you put this first, and I'll, I'll take care of you. But you're not doing that. You're not doing what you committed to me. You're not doing what you know is life and wonderful to you. Make a commitment. Let's pray together. Lord, today, we want to all commit ourselves to stir up the gift that's in us, to take the risk, to walk it out. We don't need to wait for people. We don't have to wait for things. Be sensitive, yeah, but, but we can't, we've got to stop blaming everybody else in our life for not walking out what we feel we're to do, what we hear you saying. And I, Father, I, I know as we do this, you'll protect us to a higher degree, larger degree that the body will be enriched, that the unbelievers will be blessed because our gifts and callings, they affect them, not just the church. That we will be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Give us a whole different mentality about things. And we're in this, this uh, boiling pot of controversy and offense and things going on in our world, in the whole world, in our nation, in our communities. And I know you're calling us to have a word, to have wisdom that's from heaven. And we have access to that. You have breathed on us. We have been filled with your spirit. So we want to take this precious gift we have To quiet ourselves and come before you expecting, expecting direction, insight, the healing we need, the provision that we need, that we put you first and commit ourselves to walk in what you're calling us to do. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Phyllis, you can make your phone call now. You can call Jesus. Yeah, you can call Jesus back. Jesus, hang on. I'm in church.
1: But the glory does burn brighter. So I invite you, when you come for communion uh, this morning, to to stay up at the altar because um, He is here to meet you. So this week um, we start Lent on Ash Wednesday. And whether or not you've ever practiced the tradition of Lent, there's spiritual disciplines that are involved in Lent that we should be practicing. We should study and pray and we should fast during this time and deprive ourselves of things that are normally permissible and we do this in order to draw closer to Jesus and his passion and his resurrection. And the other thing we focus on during the time of Lent is confession. We talk about a lot of things here at Communion, but the bottom line is we acknowledge that Jesus died for our sins, and so we are to confess those sins to him. And that's all Ash Wednesday is. The ashes represent that our bodies came from dust, and that's where they will return. And they also represent the fact that during our lives, we sin and we acknowledge that jesus made atonement for that sin but it's our sin that requires the atonement so ash wednesday and lent are really connected and we have the opportunity to come and confess today and there's beautiful things prepared for us there's peace and love and there's mercy and forgiveness is beautiful and it's easy and when you pick up the bread and the cup you lay down your sins Romans 5:12 says that it's only our sin that separates us from God but when Jesus died on the cross he made a bridge over that separation we can't cross the bridge unless we uh, confess our sins In eight weeks from today, we will be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And today, right now, is when we begin to prepare our hearts to be a part of that celebration. And we do it by confession. He's here to meet you. Let's commune with him.